You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're going to die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday. There was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panianovich. It's called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. How about that? Away we go. Chicken Dinner Tuesday, June 29th, 2021. Follow us on Twitter at ChickenXDinner, Instagram at ChickenDinnerSP, and subscribe to the podcast so you get this bad boy once it goes live. We will talk to Alex Smith, a tremendous hockey handicapper, host of the Ice Guys. He's on Twitter at AXSmithSports. It looks like we're riding the second period overs. And how does Alex handicap the series as a whole? Obviously, Stanley Cup final starts last night. Game one, easy win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Alex liked the Lightning. I liked the Lightning. We were sort of staying away from Montreal. So we'll talk about the Stanley Cup final, and he definitely nailed that second period over last night. They scored twice. They could have scored five or six goals. And Alex talks about the adjustments that these teams make after the first 20 minutes. I I think it's amazing – how many people have lost so much in soccer? I see handicappers all over Twitter, people that I know, some that I don't. They're down 10, 15, 20 units on the Euro. How the fuck is that possible? The Euro's been going on for like two weeks. How are you down 15 units in soccer? I just don't understand the need for people to appear to be experts in a field that they're not. I don't know soccer, I don't watch soccer. I don't follow soccer, and you're not going to see me pick or tweet anything soccer-related because I don't have an edge. And if I don't think I have an edge, I'm not going to play it, and I don't want you to play it. I think it's a joke that some people are firing soccer like they know what they're doing, and then when they lose, it's like, oh, well, I'm up in football and basketball. That doesn't really matter. I haven't played baseball a lot this year. And I've been historically a pretty good baseball handicapper. But this year in April, I lost nine baseball plays in a row. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put a cork in this one because I'm not seeing the ball well. It looks like a golf ball, not a beach ball. And I'm going to stay away. I'm going to recalibrate the baseball, maybe wait until the market settles, and then jump back in in July or August or September. But you'll never see me just fire a soccer pick in a tournament that I'm not following. Just be careful When you see somebody that you've seen or heard before on a sports betting program and they just start firing soccer picks, if you followed them for a couple years and there's a sample size, okay, that's different. But I've seen four or five people like, oh, got to bet four units on Team X or Country Y. I'm like, no, you really don't. And people always ask, you know, when I put a pick out at Chicken X Center, how many units? Everything is one unit. I don't do six units. I don't do 10 units. I don't do 100 units. It's all flat. It's all straight, one unit, unless noted otherwise. How about this? Patrick Everson from Covers.com. At Covers underscore Vegas. Per Wyatt year out on PointsBetUSA's in-play pricing on Monday. When France led 3-1 to one late, the draw was 50-1. to one. And Switzerland was 300 to 1 if you wanted to jump into the pool in game. When Spain led 3 to 1 late, 
the draw was 66 to 1 and Croatia 55 to 1. Well, the draw cashed in both. And in soccer, as you probably have learned over the last couple of weeks, if you're new to it, the draw comes into effect quite a bit. Imagine having a bet on France or Spain, and all of a sudden it's a draw. I just, that's why I don't mess with soccer, because I don't know soccer. I didn't play soccer. I'm not going to act like I know soccer. A sport that I know pretty well because I've covered it for a long time. Hockey, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It wasn't a great round when we lost the Bruins and the Avalanche both in that series. Futures, dead. Avalanche, dead. Boston, injured, depleted, Tukaras, torn hamstring. That happens. It's part of the game. But usually in hockey, I have a good idea when there's value one way or the other. I still thought there was value on Colorado minus 180 before game one. They win the first two, they go up to minus 900. If you wanted to come back and take some Vegas Golden Knights plus 500 or so, there you go. But I thought that Montreal series price, not to celebrate and run around for 10 minutes and talk about how right we were, you have to understand the market where it was, where it is, and where it could go. That's why I thought that price on Vegas minus 500 against Montreal made no sense. The aforementioned series, we just talked about it. Vegas was down 2 nothing to Colorado. So Vegas was plus 550 to advance. They win the next four, they win the series, and then they're minus 500 to beat Montreal. So from plus 500 to minus 500 in the matter of four hockey games. That's not justified. The math doesn't line up. So that's why we bet Montreal. We bet them in game one. We bet them to win the series. I could have jumped back in game two, but I didn't. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, whatever. But we cashed Montreal. And we put Vegas's lights out on that Thursday night. We had Yankees fan one change his Twitter or delete his Twitter or God knows what. We got some of his boys with no shirts on and tattoos and dog tags talking shit, then deleting their accounts, a bunch of cowards everywhere. It's all good. Vegas was going to win three in a row, remember? And then they lost the series. So, yeah, it is what it is. But I liked Montreal in that series. Here was my hesitation in the Stanley Cup final. And I know that this may not help you, because the show was airing on Tuesday when the series started on Monday, but we did tweet this out. In fact, I'm going to pull the tweet up as I'm talking about this. I didn't find a mathematical edge with Montreal as the dog. And I tweeted, at Chicken X Dinner, as great as the Montreal Canadiens treated us all last round, we're going to sit out on a series bet before game one. I didn't like the math, and the guys that I talked to didn't like the math either. I talk to a lot of people that have models and make algorithms and try and find the plus EV. We were all in the same boat on Montreal and Vegas. We're like, there's no way this hockey team should be getting 4-1 to one to win a series. Some books had plus 425. The variance is too high. There's too many random bounces. There's too much puck luck. A hot goalie, Carey Price, can change everything. That being said, though, you have to know when to get off the underdog that just cashed. It's one of the hardest things to do as a sports better. I finally was able to do this last season in the NBA bubble. I rode the Miami Heat all the way to the finals. And I wanted to do it again. 
well, they cashed for me in the first three rounds. I got to do it again. No, you don't have to do it again. Now, if you remember back in the bubble on the show, we talked about the handicap, the series handicap. They were spotting you two and a half games with Miami. So you're betting Miami, but they don't have to win the series. They have to win two games. It was plus two and a half, I think minus 130. And the Lakers won that series in six. But I got off the trendy underdog. And I thought going into this series, Montreal was A, the trendy underdog, obviously. But B, the price was actually not good enough. Because when you win a hockey series at 4-1 to one as an underdog, the math will work against you in the following round. Tampa opened minus, what, 260, 270? And I thought, wow, that's pretty cheap on Tampa. I think this series price should be Tampa minus 350, maybe 360. And by the time the puck dropped on game one, or hours before for that matter, Tampa Bay is minus 300. I'm not laying 300 in a series. I'll do it in a boxing match or a UFC fight or something like that, but I'm not laying three to win one on a hockey series. I just, I won't. I have my thresholds and so should you. I think in hockey it's minus 180, minus 200. Because as you know, juice kills. I was hoping that Montreal was going to win game one so I could come back on Tampa and lay 170 or something to win the series. But Tampa blitzes Montreal, and I don't think this series is going to be all that long. I'm not getting invested. I'm not making predictions. I'm just going to ride Alex Smith because he made us a lot of money in the Stanley Cup final last year with the first period overs. Alex is on the second period overs in this series. 1-0 and so far. And we'll see you for game two on Wednesday night. We'll take a peek. No prices up yet in that market for the second period overs, but I have a feeling we'll be on that play again. There should have been like five or six goals in the second, too. How about off the opening faceoff when Montreal threw the puck and Vasilevsky didn't see it clearly, bounced off his chest and almost went in? I think a crossbar was hit, a post was hit, an empty net was missed, and they scored two goals. The scoring chances were insane especially for Tampa, because Tampa's very good at making adjustments after the first 20 minutes. John Cooper goes to the board, and they figure out how to strike. And that's an offensive team. If they score early tomorrow, that's the plan. You want Tampa to score the first goal, and then all of a sudden Montreal's got to open up because Montreal's trying to win one nothing, 2-1. to The Canadians are 11-0 and when they score twice in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they're not trying to score three or four goals. They're trying to score first and bleed the game out. You want Tampa to score first because it opens up the game, and that's what happened last night. Let's see, what else? Oh, Trey Young and the uncertainty. This sucks. This was a golden goose for about 18 days, I think. This started on June 11th after game two of the 76er series when Trey didn't have a great game, and in game three they put up over 27.5, leading scorer plus 225. And we hit both markets and cashed both. Trey was a leading scorer in three, four, five, and six of the series against Philly. He almost scored 50 in game one of the series against Milwaukee. And before he stepped accidentally on a referee's foot and busted his ankle and bruised a bone, 
he was probably going to be the leading scorer. He had, what, 32 late in the third quarter when that injury happens? And Middleton, of course, goes off. I'd make that bet 11 times out of 10 on Trey Young, 2-1 to one to be the leading scorer. But now it's like people are asking, hey, what do you think? I have no idea. And that's why I'm going to sit it out. I have heard from many people. I've seen a lot of experts in the space. One guy, who's the injury doctor? David Chow. He's like, well, you know, Trey Young should be fine, but he'd be better if he was a big guy because he's good on cuts and he's very quick. What? You literally told me nothing. You said he'd be fine, but then you're like, well, uh, well, he is quick and he cuts a lot. Okay, that literally didn't help me at all. If I don't know, I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to tell you what to bet. You did notice, if you're looking, the point prop has gone from 29.5 down to 27.5 at most of the American books. DraftKings, FanDuel, points bet. William Hill, they're all about 27 and a half. And I think the over is about plus 105 or plus 110. This could change by the time you're listening to the show. And who knows, by the time you listen, maybe Trey Young is ruled out. I, At the time of taping, Trey Young is questionable. I think he's going to play, but I have absolutely zero idea how effective he's going to be. And how can I tell you to bet on a player's over or bet on his three prop over or bet on him to be the leading scorer when I have no idea how he's going to play. It's simple. If you don't know, don't bet it. So I can watch game four. I can study it. I can see the bounciness in his jump. I can see how quick he cuts. And then we can decide if we want to back them, all those props for that matter, the trifecta, in game five. You can sit out if you don't know. And I don't know. I have no fucking idea. And I have no problem admitting that I don't have an edge. So you just sit it out and wait to strike. Let's keep it in the NBA. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate Superbook posted up title odds for next year's NBA season. And these are interesting. Nets are the favorite, 3-1. to one. Lakers, 9-2. to two. Warriors, 8-1. Hmm, That's a team I circled right away. Bucks and Clippers, 10-1. to one. Sixers, Jazz, and Suns, 20. I'm about, I'm about done after the Clippers, to be honest, but we'll keep going. Nuggets, Hawks, and Heat, 30-1. to 1. Mavericks and Blazers, definitely not, 40-1. to 1. Celtics, Raptors, Knicks, and Pacers, 50-1. to 1. I'm stopping there because there's no point. Curry, Clay, Draymond, great place to start. And how about this? According to The Athletic, there's a widespread expectation that Golden State will use the number seven pick and James Wiseman to immediately upgrade the roster. Warriors started playing really good ball late in the season, and they didn't have Clay the entire way. They didn't have Clay. That team might have the three best well-rounded players in the game. Well, I don't know. Harden and Irving and Durant are better. Not defensively. Not at team basketball. Who shares the sugar better? Curry, Thompson, Green? Durant, Harden, Irving. It's a very easy answer. If you don't know the answer and it doesn't pop right into your brain, you're not paying attention. All the Nets do is play ISO and shoot threes. The Warriors shoot a lot of threes, but they shoot a lot of open threes because both Clay and Steph are tremendous passers. And Draymond is a good drive and kick guy. 
they make the extra pass, the necessary pass, the old hockey assist. Brooklyn, dribble, 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 shoot. Dribble, 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 shoot. Dribble, 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 dribble. Step back, fade away. My turn, my turn, my turn. That's not what Golden State does. They get another piece. According to the athletic, it could be Pascal Siakam. If they get a guy like that, you don't want to play them. Curry, Clay, Draymond, Siakam. I will be on the hunt for anything, Warriors. Eight to one is a little low for my liking. I'm looking 10 to one or higher, but we'll see what the market is. Superbook's the only book in town or in the country for that matter that has odds on this. Eight to one, if that's my ceiling, I'd have to hit it. But I have to imagine there's going to be some other books that are going to be lower on the Bucks and Clippers from an odd standpoint, like the Bucks 10 to one. Sherman's not bullish on the Bucks, and those are his odds. If somebody at DraftKings likes Giannis more, they're going to put the Bucks at 5-1 to one and they'll have to kick the Warriors up. We'll see how it goes. But of all those teams on the list, the first one that comes off the page is the Golden State Warriors. 8-1. to one, And hopefully higher. This went viral over the weekend. One of my co-workers at Fox Sports, Kristen Scott, she married her fiancé, obviously, Sean Hurley, over the weekend, and they did something that I haven't seen at a wedding ever. Wedding props palooza. They actually gave everybody that sat down at a chair to eat and drink, they gave them a sheet with props. And I'll give you an example of some of them. Will the bride or groom cry during the ceremony? Yes, minus 225, no, plus 170. Will the bride or groom refer to another as their best friend? Yes and no, both minus 110. Cocktail apps, over or under, five and a half. Minus 110 each way. Will a ring bearer or flower girl go rogue during the walkout? Yes, minus 500, no, plus 375. I like that one. Notable dance floor injuries, over, under, two and a half. Bride's entrance, over, under, 60 seconds, over, minus 40. Kristen made that prop for sure. First dance length, over, under, 2 minutes, 35 seconds, minus 10. Will the father of the bride shed a tear? Yes, minus 1,000. No, plus 750. Best wedding party entrance. And they go down the page. Rob and Danny, minus 120. Connor and Jenny, plus 175. Jason and Maggie, 3 to 1. Eric and Sarah, 4 to 1. This is fun. I love this stuff. I used to do this when we used to go to the Southside Bar Crawl, all of us hooligans. Everybody from the Southside that was in college, whether you went to Illinois, Eastern, Illinois State, Western, Illinois State, you all went to Iowa City around mid-April of that given school year. And people got destroyed. Drinking all weekend. It started for some on Thursday night. It started for others on Friday night. Saturday was the day. Southsiders went all around Iowa City, hit all the different joints. My favorite was, let's see, well, not Union. Vito's was my spot. Oh, Vito's. But they closed that down. They closed it down, I think, in like 2015 or so. Spoko, Union, Vito's, 808. All the names are running together at this point. But that's, I'm surprised I could still name four. I used to make lines on... Who will get thrown out first? 
How many times will this person say this? You know, will these two hook up? Stuff like that. Did we take bets on it? No. But we had a, I think it was an email group thread where I made about 50 props for the Southside Bar Crawl. And I thought it was hysterical because most of my friends at that point in time, like me, were degenerates. And we got a kick out of it because we were able to put a price on something that was likely or not likely to happen. Will so-and-so get arrested? Yes or no? I think one guy I had, yes, minus 200. And he got arrested for pushing over a bike like an idiot. But you price everything accordingly. And I think this is cool to have fun with something like this at a wedding. You're just making fun props on a wedding. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, We're going to talk more about this on Thursday, how boosts are the kiss of death. Boosts, B-O-O-S-T-S. And DraftKings felt so bad about their shitty boost the last couple of days. They're giving you a free space tonight. I don't know if you've seen this yet. They have Giannis double-double from minus 500 to plus 100. I will definitely tell you about a good deal when I see one, and that is a very good deal because that's going to cash eight times out of ten. I sent my buddy Brendan a game log of Giannis, 33-11, and 25-9. That was in game two. So, okay, so there's one non-double-double, but in the last 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games, Giannis has 12 double-doubles. DraftKings had a bad boost on Sunday. They had a bad boost on Monday, and now they're feeling bad because they're getting destroyed on social media, and now they're giving you what they believe is a free space. Giannis double-double, minus 500 to plus 100. You're not going to see a boost like that very often, and you still can't bet a lot of money on that, 25 50 bucks, but it's still a free space, and you should entertain that if you have the option. And the last thing, I wanted to take this time to give my friend Kenny White a shout-out. His magazine is out, the 2021 College Football Power Ratings Magazine. It is 335 pages of information. He's got two deep depth charts, for every team, power ratings for every team, and projections for every game. I'm high on Illinois this year. Win total open three. A lot of books have three and a half. I think they can win four easy. Kenny's got them winning five. He's got projections for every game, and he gives you advice on which teams to go over and under. Who's Kenny White? Kenny White is a legendary Las Vegas odds maker. He's been doing this for over 40 years. One of the best at making the numbers. The magazine, I believe, is 20 bucks. If you buy Phil Steele, Athlon, great. Keep buying them. But you should add this one to your Rolodex. KennyWhiteSports.com. The magazine is awesome. I got a copy. I'm giving away two. The book is for real. And if you're serious about handicapping college football or understanding power ratings and what goes into power ratings, you should check out the magazine. Joining us on Chicken Dinner, my favorite hockey handicapper, Alex Smith, co-host of the Ice Guys. Check him out. He's from the south side of Chicago, so you know he's a good dude. At AX Smith Sports. Welcome back to the show, brother. Hey, Sammy P. Always good to talk hockey with you. 
You are the uh, most popular guest since the relaunch. This is appearance number three since we brought it back in August 2020 because it's so weird, man, looking back. We had you on last year in the bubble before the playoffs started. Then we had you on in the Stanley Cup final last year in October, which is weird. (laughs) And now we have you on on June 28th. Full disclosure, the game is tonight, so we're going to break down more serious stuff for most of this stuff. But how do we... (laughs) How do we explain having you want to talk hockey in August, October, and June? I mean, that's just how weird, you know, the sports schedule has been, obviously, with, you know, the pandemic, you know, throwing things around. You know, it was March 11th when uh, of last you know, year, 2020, when the season stopped. Things didn't start back up until August with the playoffs. Like I said, it rolled all the way into, uh, you know, October. And then, you know, things just jump right back in, the, in January with the shortened schedule. So it's going to be nice once this is over, we'll have about maybe four or five weeks to kind of rest. And then all of a sudden, here comes the expansion draft with Seattle and then the regular draft. And then before you know it, the 21-22 season will be starting October 12th. So it's uh, it seems like it's never ending, but that's just how uh, you know all the sports leagues right now have to kind of catch up uh, after having everything thrown off a bit. You and I have discussed this for many years now. I think the toughest thing to do as a handicapper, when you make money on a juicy underdog – you have to know when to call it quits. And that, yes. to me, is the hardest thing to do because here I am sitting on the Habs who just won that last series against Vegas at plus 400 or plus four and a quarter, and I want so bad to just roll a little bit forward, but all the math guys I talked to last round, they said Montreal is the play. We made it plus 200, plus 225. It's $2 richer than it should be. All those same cats, though, and this is why they're smarter than me, they told me in this series they made Tampa minus three or minus 350. So the math guys that loved the Habs last series, they don't like them in this series. It's still hard, though, for me because they just cashed for your boy. You follow? Yeah, I, I get that. And like you said, you know, it, people always gravitate toward hot teams in, in any sport. Uh, and Montreal, without question, is the hottest team. They won 11 of the last 13. You said, you know, they pulled these big up, upsets off. Now, you know, Toronto, everybody thought they were going to be done. They were down 3-1 in that series. They come back and win. Uh, they make quick work of the Winnipeg Jets. And then, like you said, that hard-fought series against Vegas where, yeah, they, you know, had a fighter's chance, but they were definitely, uh, you know, that was a price that was worth jumping on. Plus 400 was, was awfully too, way too high, and they've proven, proven that with winning the series. But now they're running into a juggernaut in the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. Uh, you know, the, the offense that they have, the goaltending that they have, Andre Vasilevsky is arguably the best goaltender in the world. This is going to be a fun series, but I do think the Lightning, uh, our favorite this high for a reason. I would, if I were lining it, I would say minus two fifty, closer to three dollars would be the right number. And that's sort of what it opened up at. And you've seen a little bit of a blitz heading into Game One. You're looking at Pinnacle minus two eighty, Bookmaker minus two ninety, Heritage three dollars, and then over in Vegas, South Point two eighty, Westgate three hundred, circa three ten. So your consensus price now minus three hundred. I am never going to lay minus 300 in a hockey series. I will do it in a boxing match. I'll do it in a UFC fight. Not in a hockey series, man. No, yeah, you can't lay it in in a game or a series. That's awfully high. My cutoff point usually for a game will be minus 160. Uh, For a series, you know, minus $2 maybe once in a decade when I find, uh, you know, some kind of glaring 
uh, you know, situation where that that would be it. But like you said, you start talking about 250, 300, you can't do that. But there's so many different avenues and options to bet the series without betting the series. And that's the way I've always attacked the, the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, playoffs for the most part. But definitely with the final, the way it's priced right now. We were on a ride last year. You had first period overs with Dallas and Tampa. Every series is different. Every season is different. You yeah. talk about those secondary markets, more of the exotic stuff. What's the angle going into the Stanley Cup final? Obviously, game one will be over when the show is up, but how will you eye this series as a whole? So from all right, so let's just start with with this just straight up series. I didn't I like Tampa Bay to win this series, but I did not bet them. Like I said, not laying two two fifty or three hundred. The way I attacked it was going with the option to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, which of course is playoff MVP. And it's kind of deja vu. You mentioned you know we, I was on last year for the Stanley Cup final, which involved Tampa Bay. I'm betting the same player I, was, I had money on last year, Braden Point. Uh, the forward for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He had an incredible postseason last year, had 33 points. This year, he's the leading goal scorer for the team with 14 goals. He had nine goals in nine straight games. That streak was unfortunately snapped in game seven uh, against New York for them to advance to the final. But he's been absolutely lights out. Great player. And the fact that the the series leader in points and the team leader in points, Nikita Kucherov, he is dealing with an injury. He played game seven but did not look like himself his status, he's going to try to play, but we, who knows what happens. If he takes a hit in the series, maybe he ends up sitting down. I think there's great value on Braden Point to finally get that contest trophy. He should have won it last year. Victor Hedman kind of leapfrogged him. It's a bit of a popularity contest with this trophy, too. When teams win two or three times, think about the Blackhawks in their dynasty run. You know, it was different guys who won it every year. You had Kane win one season. 2015, it was, it was Duncan Keith, even though there were other guys who had just as many points. Uh, and played great, you know, had great down the stretch in the postseason. So they try not to give it to the same guy twice. So I would rule Hedman out. I said Kucherov's a bit of a question mark. Vasilevsky is definitely an open option as well. If you look at his numbers against Montreal, it is absolutely insane. In 14 games against the Habs during the regular season meetings, 11, 1, and 2 with a 1.38 goals against. This dude's been stellar throughout the postseason. He's had three straight series this year and the cup final last year where the clinching game, he won it with a shutout a performance. Those are hard numbers to, to argue with. So if you like Tampa Bay, I wouldn't argue with anybody. You got to go with either Braden Point or Andre Vasilevsky to win the Conn Smythe. You can get either one of those somewhere between 3-1 to one or some places as high as 5-1. to one. It's funny you bring up that Blackhawks run 10-13-15. I thought Corey Crawford was their best player in 2015. And he didn't get it. They gave it to Keith. Kaner, I think, 13, and then Taves won it in 2010. I'm almost positive that's the order. Yep, but the goalie there is the one that didn't get the award. And you look at the board right now heading into game one, Vasilevsky plus about 130, Carey Price plus 190, then everybody else. And those numbers will obviously fluctuate throughout the series. How about the periods? First period, second period, third period. So it's interesting the the trend this year between these two teams and as far as the postseason goes, and even really in the regular season as well, these are teams that play to the under in the first period. And it makes sense for Montreal. They don't have the kind of firepower that Tampa Bay has. They've been trying to win games by playing balanced two-way hockey, shutting things down defensively. They have a, a fantastic goalie in their own, as you mentioned, with Carey Price. So they've been it's five and eleven the last sixteen games to the under, where Tampa Bay as their offense is one of the best in hockey. They've got a, the number one power play during the postseason, but they start off slow. They've gone six and twelve to the under uh, in, in their run, twelve and two last fourteen. 
the way to attack as far as periods go and in gameplay, I like the second period over with these teams. Tampa Bay 10 and 8, Montreal 11 and 5 to the second period overs. So what that's telling you is that these these teams, their coaches, they're making the proper adjustments and they're getting their offense rolling in that second portion of, of the of the contest and then that kind of carries them through toward the third and the end of the game. So if you have an American book, and when I say American book, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, William Hill, MGM, when you go into the Stanley Cup final section, there's a column called periods, and it's very simple. Mm -hmm. You scroll over to the second period. For game number one, I'm looking Montreal-Tampa over one and a half second period goals, minus 120. What's the ceiling there? How much are you willing to lay juice-wise? I would probably cut it off around maybe 140, 145. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and and some books you you know chop chop around and check with your book. If you have in-game wagering, you can sometimes find this at the end of the first period where they will adjust and have that number up. It'll still be one and a half to start before the 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 puck drops in the second period. But you might find a bit of an adjustment in that number. It might be a, maybe five or ten cents cheaper, depending on your book. So that's something to keep note of as well. If you can bet it, you know, pre-flop, but you can also look to try to grab that in-game, especially if you see where maybe you know both teams had a ton of chances in the first period, but nothing got through, or there was a lot of penalties being called, where you might see some more power play opportunities in that second period. So adjust accordingly with with that play. One of my favorite things to do on this show: answer hedge questions. A lot of people made future bets. They have a price on a team, and they want to figure out what they can do going forward. And I think it's different for everybody. Some people never mm -hmm. want to hedge. Some always want to hedge. Mutual friend of ours, Ariel Epstein, had a friend text her, I have the Lightning at plus 850 preseason to run it back. So I said, well, assuming it's a $100 bet at plus 850, you've got 950 to play with. That's what's going to come back if it wins. I said you got to at least put a buck or a buck and a quarter on Montreal plus 250. That way you're making, at the least, you're making about $150. How would you hedge a one-unit bet on Tampa at 8.5 to 1 from the preseason? I mean, that's a better price, but I think the, the safer, the maybe potentially stronger option with that would be to maybe even take a shot with Carey Price to win the Conn Smythe. If Montreal does find a way to win this series, Carey Price is definitely going to be the one rewarded with the Conn Smythe trophy. And the reason being, this is his first time in a cup final, 14 seasons with this team. He's been the face of the Habs franchise basically since he's been drafted and it's first started with this club. He's gone through a lot. Uh, he's had some wonderful seasons that were hampered by the team not having a, a bunch of offense in front of him or tons of different injuries. He got injured himself back in 2014 when they were in the conference final. They looked like they were going to be destined to play uh, the winner of LA and Chicago in that cup final. He gets hit in game one, taken out, and uh, you know that was the, the rest of that series. New York Rangers going to win it. So he's been through a lot, and you know there's that odd chance we haven't seen this since uh, John Sebastian Giguere of the Anaheim Ducks back in 03 where teams that had lost their goaltender have been rewarded with the, the Conn Smythe Trophy. This only happened maybe four or five times in history. That might be a, a little bit safer of, of a hedge option because you could actually end up getting lucky of cashing. Let's say this goes seven games. Tampa Bay wins it in seven, but Carey Price has enough of a great performance in that seven-game series where they still reward him with the Conn Smythe Trophy. So I think that might be the safest hedge. Will there be a fight in this series? I think there will be, and I actually saw one book that had a price, uh, you know, total fights in the series at a half. Obviously, you don't see a lot of fights 
in the playoffs particularly, but we've seen a couple of them uh, in the last couple of rounds, especially that Tampa Bay was you know fighting with the New York Islanders. There was about three or four fights. And, and keep in mind, if you see this prop in your book, it means that both combatants in the fight have to be given five minute majors for this to cash. So it can't be where they both roughhouse and it's you know four minutes for for you know right roughing, two minutes for roughing. They have to be fighting majors. Uh, plus 300 for basically you know one fight to take place over the next four to seven games. I think that's something worth you know laying a little bit of pizza money on. I love the correlation here because Carey Price better be fucking good to get the options here. You don't want four games. You want six or seven. And if that's going to happen, right. you need Carey Price to take care of business. Um, a lot of these books do the exact outcome of the series. You've already said multiple times and you know, pretty much hinted that you'd like Tampa Bay to win the series. Is there any value in Tampa in six or Tampa in five, Tampa sweep? Uh, you know these books have options where you can bet the exact outcome. Anything there? No, I mean, Tampa, the the favorite of, of that option is Tampa in six games. I think people kind of feel that this could maybe zigzag uh, early in, in the series, and then all of a sudden we see this is just how Tampa Bay has been winning series. They've been keeping games close in the first three or four games, and all of a sudden they have a burst of, of offense. We saw in game four against Carolina, they had that 6-4 game where they were just going back and forth, looked like you know more of a, their regular season style of hockey. Go back to the Islanders series, they go home for game five, they win 8 nothing, uh, and that kind of shifted the dynamic of the series to them. So five or six games, if you like to Tampa, like we said, that's another way. Instead of laying a big price, you could bet Tampa in five or Tampa in six games. Probably not going to get anything higher than plus 300 with that if you shop around. But uh, that's a, a one, another, another option to look at as opposed to laying a price. You'll still be getting some plus money. We are eyeing the second period overs in the Stanley Cup final between Montreal and Tampa Bay. Thanks to our guy Alex Smith at AX Smith Sports. The Ice Guys, co-host of the Ice Guys show, AX Smith Sports. Dot com. I will be. Uh, I'll be hitting that second period. If you know what I mean. I appreciate your time, <laughs> always, my friend. Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy. That about does it for chicken dinner. Thanks to Alex Smith for hopping on the show. He is one and zero with us in the Stanley Cup final second period over one and a half goals. They potted two, and we'll be back for game number two. That's my guesstimation. Record check one five one one four five and five. And believe it or not, we are dead even. Not up, not down, right in the middle, 0.0, and I have nothing pending for tonight. Enjoy the game on Tuesday. I'm off the Trey Young props. I'm going to watch them in game four and hopefully recalibrate and attack in game number five, and we'll uh, be on the lookout for whatever we're going to play in game two of the Stanley Cup final. On Thursday, we will talk to Abe Cannon, a.k.a. Treebark Falafel. He's a longtime radio host in Chicago, and he's been on this boost our bad kick for months. Can't wait to chop it up with Abe. Cash some tickets, make some money. We'll talk to you Thursday, right here on Chicken Dinner. So